What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. It's been a tumultuous 14 months for the Pac-12 Conference. The loss of USC and UCLA. And now it all came down to a fateful Friday morning and a Pac-12 CEO group meeting that sent the remaining nine schools splintering in different directions. I'm John Canzano. You can read me at johnconzano.com. I'm here with John Wilner, Bay Area News Group superstar. You can read him at pac12hotline.com. Wilner, let's unpack it. Um, first of all, your reaction to what has been probably the wildest day that you have ever covered in the Pac-12 conference. It beats the day that USC and UCLA left on June 30th, 2022. And that's that's kind of hard to believe, right? I mean, two just momentous days for college sports on the West Coast. Neither of them good for fans necessarily of, you know, USC and UCLA fans probably pretty happy. But, you know, you could, you could make the case that college sports are better if there's a strong, vibrant, connected Pac-12. And that just is not the case for a lot of reasons that we'll get into. But, uh, you know, they're, two, they're bookends to an incredible 13, 14-month stretch. I want to unpack this layer by layer, listeners. And, I, and let's start first, though, with the Big Ten Conference coming in at the 11th hour, making another push. It offers Oregon and Washington a deal it cannot refuse. Oregon, you know, I was told was the glue that, and everybody was looking Oregon as the linchpin. If they stayed, the conference would stay together. If they left, they would leave. Washington wasn't going to jump unless Oregon jumped. And in the end, Oregon jumped. Wilner, a confession I want to make, I don't blame Oregon for this. I don't blame Oregon for the demise of the Pac-12 conference. And I know that's going to make some of our listeners unhappy, but... I think Oregon's got a, you know, fiduciary responsibility to do what was best for itself. And if it looked at the Apple deal and looked at what the Big Ten was offering, I don't blame it for for seriously considering leaving and in the end doing what it felt like it was best for itself. I don't think you can blame any particular institution for what's happening, right? You can't blame USC and UCLA. You can't blame Oregon and Washington, the Arizona schools, Utah. I, I don't think it's the system generally the way college sports is, is set up where these schools have got to, you know, the, the responsible thing for their athletic departments is to go after the money from TV. Right. But the, the problem is the way the system is set up so that Fox and ESPN are essentially the chess masters here and the conferences and the schools are, are the pieces. Uh, and that gets into, the, you know, the wormhole of the whole NCAA economic structure. So, no, I agree with you. I don't blame them either. There's certainly plenty of blame to go around, and we can get into that. I am curious, though, you know, and we had talked about this and agree, kind of agreed, I think, that Oregon was going to have to think pretty hard about going to the Big Ten if the opportunity came up because it would make playoff access theoretically more difficult. Do you think that that was something that they did ultimately consider, and it just wasn't the trump card in this whole equation? Yes, it was something they did consider. I talked to some of the decision makers at Oregon. They they were There was no easy decision here for the Ducks. It wasn't a no-brainer to stay. It wasn't a no-brainer to go. Now, I am told that playoff access was important. Phil Knight's vote was important. But Phil Knight, as an 85-year-old 
booster of Oregon and a visionary guy, he's got the ability to see around the corner. And what I was told by the Oregon decision makers is that this wasn't a two or a five year decision that they were thinking about. They were looking 20 years out. They were thinking, where is college football going? You know, do we wait, stay in the Pac-12 conference on a short term deal, have access to the playoff and, and then look in five or seven years and see what is the best position or do you ultimately go now? And, and I think it became too much for them in the end. And the uncertainty of the Apple deal, the fact that the subscriptions were involved, the fact that there was some risk in the first couple years, the conference imploded, where was Oregon going to end up? I think ultimately that was too risky for a university that had good options available to it. The, you know, the real, the gut-wrenching part of all this is Washington State, Oregon State, and Stanford and Cal to a, to a slightly lesser degree. I, I just feel terrible for the Cougars, the Beavers, their fans, their athletes, their athletic department employees, good people. I mean, it's just, and again, it's the system, right? It's the system. These schools do a great job competitively with what with the resources they have, I mean, Washington State does as good a job competitively with its resources as any school in the country, just about. And yet, they, here they are, the victim of these machinations uh, that are outside their control, that occur because of mistakes that they didn't make, that other people made. And it just, that's, I kind of get a, you know, a knot in my stomach thinking about the Cougars and the, and the, and the Beavers and this whole thing. Yeah, I talked to the pastor of a church that is three blocks away from Martin Stadium in Pullman, and I wrote, you know, a column about this. Um, you know, they, they use the church parking lot to sell parking spaces on game days. And, in, and for big games, they get like 40 or $50 a spot, and for normal games, they get $25. Church pastor was lamenting that there's a loss of revenue for the youth, uh, for the youth organization at the church and that they won't be drawing USC— UCLA, Oregon, they get Wisconsin this year. But if you are relegated to the Mountain West Conference, and we'll talk all about that in a minute, but if you're relegated to the Mountain West or some facsimile of that, you are stuck in a position where you're just not going to be drawing as big a, a, a name brand opponent to your stadium. And there are tentacles to this thing that Washington State had no control over and Oregon State had no control over. And there are a lot of people upset, but I think it's okay to be simultaneously upset and empathetic towards Washington State and Oregon State and the plight of Stanford and Cal. Thank goodness that Cal noticed, you know? Like, I was worried that Cal wasn't going to notice. <laughs> um, but you can be tuned into those things and also go, hey, I, uh, I understand what Oregon and Washington were doing. And frankly, when USC and UCLA left, I mean, if you want to point a finger, let's point a finger at Larry Scott. Let's point a finger at George Klyovkov. And on that note, Wilner, let's indict the two commissioners. It is... Is which of those two had a bigger role in what happened with the Big Ten and Oregon and Washington? Um, well, first of all, I would say that the presidents are ultimately responsible, right? And and there's a long list of strategic mistakes going back 10, 12 years that are under their watch. They're the ones setting the agenda. They're the ones hiring the commissioners. They're the ones who are deciding whether to expand or not expand. So I kind of have to start one level above the two commissioners with uh, a group of presidents over the years that has been arrogant, that has lacked vision, 
that doesn't understand or appreciate college football. You know, they had talk so much about, well, we got to, we got to, you know, see where the puck is going, not where it is. And they end up, they, they can't even see the thing hitting them in the face. So I would start the list of indictments with the collective uh, presidents that have been in charge of the conference over the last, you know, 10, 12 years. And that includes Ed Ray, former Oregon State president who was heavily involved in the conference operation, you know, strategic operations, and, and that led to his former university being in this difficult situation. So I'll let you go with the commissioners, then I can chime yeah. back in with well, them. Well, I mean, but I, I could go even that, higher that than that. Like, first. if you want, if you want to go to the presidents and the chancellors, why not go all the way to college football and talk about the damage that has been done by conference realignment and the tampering of the TV companies and all of that? I mean, it, the umbrella—you can go one step above the umbrella. Let's go to the clouds. Like, I mean, I think the ecosystem is under under uh, threat right now. It's under attack. Scott Barnes, the Oregon State athletic director. Um, just venting about conference realignment, saying it doesn't make sense. You know, college football, college athletics was built on regionality. It was built on rivalries. It was built on tradition. Um, that got blown up today. And, and, it, and I don't think it was Oregon's fault and Washington's fault, even though people will point fingers at those two schools and be understandably upset at them because Oregon and Washington could have bit the bullet and stayed with it. But if I'm going to go to the conference commissioners, which is where we started this, Larry Scott put the Pac-12 on the road to destruction. Definitely big finger pointed at him. George Klyovkov came in, lost USC, you know, 366 days into his tenure. Should not have happened. Miscalculated on the meteorites deal. Uh, you know, asked too much of his universities, asked for too much patience. Uh, I don't know if he hired the wrong consultants. I don't know if he took the wrong approach. I don't know if it was all of it. But uh, he does not have a conference anymore. And... You have to also point a finger at George Klyovkov. I think both commissioners were culpable. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, you could make a good case that Klyovkov is more culpable because he had a chance to stop this this thing from happening uh, and made a bunch of mistakes, clearly. Uh, and it's they were seemed somewhat evident during the whole course of the events. It's hard to know exactly what directions he was getting from the president. It's hard to know what he was hearing about UCLA. It's hard to know what Fox did during the exclusive negotiating window. And after the that window expired, you know, there's a lot of pieces that happened behind the scenes that, that we don't know about. But certainly the lack of urgency was a giant miscalculation. And I wrote about that in January. Time and risk move in lockstep and realignment. And, you know, they they had, you know, what is it, eight, nine, maybe even 10 months where Big Ten presidents didn't want to expand again, where Fox didn't want to fund expansion again. And they couldn't get the deal done when the greatest existential threat to their to the Pac-12 was asleep. And because he didn't get the deal done, that that threat woke up. And swooped in and, uh, you know, destroyed the conference. So, yeah, huge. I mean, huge on him. Stanford, Cal, Washington State, Oregon State left uh, reeling. I expect the Mountain West Conference will be on the phone with all four of those. You have, you know, Utah, Arizona State, uh, you know, clamoring to get a 12 conference. Um, you know, it, it felt for a time on Friday morning, Wilner, that the 
they were going to pull a rabbit out of their hat. And it looked like they got the Arizona schools in position to agree to stay as long as Oregon stayed. If they had done that, would it have been better or would it have just prolonged the inevitable? Well, I think that depends on your view of the Apple deal, which is hard for us because we don't know all the details. But, you know, if they had signed that deal, it's possible that that thing would have put them in position, well positioned them at the end of the decade for the for the next round. I don't know. I'm of the opinion that, again, without knowing all the details, Partnering with Apple to me was was very smart. Not for entire uh, a full streaming package, but I just think you you lock arms with the most powerful, innovative company in the world, and that's a good thing. Uh, devil's in the details for sure, uh, but I would say that if they had found a way to stick together, that probably would have been better. Uh, especially, obviously, for the schools left behind, but just generally for college sports. I think college sports is all about regional rivalries uh, and tradition, right? And, you know, this this is the reality, and it's an unfortunate reality, but uh, I, I would prefer the, the whole conference to be together, including the L.A. schools. I just think the sport and the fans are better off that way. Yeah, I, I mean, there's part, I grew up in the Bay Area, and I grew up watching Stanford and Cal play everybody else, and so there is part of watching the Pac-12 conference implode and, you know, trying to figure out what it will become eventually if it will still exist even in name only. And just the brand of the conference is so damaged. Let me hit that for a second. Like, let's just say that Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal stick together and they have the name, the Pac-12 conference, and decide to add members to it. Do you do that or is the brand so damaged? I've been thinking about this. Is the brand so damaged that you just be better off leaving it going off in you know going into a, a newly named conference or going into the mountain west interesting I, well the 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 first thing that comes to mind is just the logistics of how they would do it right because they're not going to get any mountain west schools in for 2024 because the exit fee so what what would the conference whatever the name is what does it look like n- next fall how, who could they get Maybe SMU, but who else could they get to join quickly enough to have a viable entity? Branding-wise, I don't know. I think that uh, – I'm not sure, you know, not knowing what the options are. You know, it was the Pac-8 at one point. It could be the Pac-8 again, Pac-10. I don't know. What, what do you think? Your, your wife's a marketer, right? Yeah, I talked to her about it. It was one of the first things I asked her. I said, do you hold on to that name? And she was like, nope, it's so damaged that you leave it behind, that you don't, you know, you don't cling to it. If there was value in that name, like, what is it worth? Like, you know, GoDaddy.com, tell us what it's worth. Is that a $69.99 domain name now, or what is it? But, um, you know, the Mountain West Conference has obviously got interest in those four schools. And I would uh, not be, I would be very surprised if Gloria Navarez, the commissioner of the Mountain West, wasn't already in contact with them, or at least had already been in contact with them prior to this. And uh, you have a you have a football season that's coming up that I think is going to be operationally a challenge for the Pac-12. Nobody's even talking about that. Like you've got a bunch of people in the Pac-12 conference offices that are going to be job hunting, and you you have to put on a football and a men's basketball season and women's basketball season and a bunch of other events. And you know what what does this conference do in the next you know sports season? And how weird is it going to be to see Big 12 member Colorado play Big 10 member Oregon in the Pac-12 footprint? Oh, it's going to be so weird. It's like going to uh, 
go into a funeral and a touch football game breaks out or something like that. Right. I mean, it's, it's going to be mind boggling. I don't, I can't think I was, I was doing a little research earlier. I don't think there's ever been a situation like this. You got a, a football, a pillar of college football for a hundred years and it is breaking apart and has to go through the season knowing that that everybody's going to shake hands and and go off on their merry ways right the big east the big east dissolved in 2013 it was a little bit different didn't have the the history the the basketball playing schools like villanova they, they went and kind of reformed the big east the other schools stayed as the american different than this uh I, I, it's going to be just completely weird question on the pac12 conference the four remaining schools if they can add some members, do they keep their college football playoff automatic berth? The deal with that is you need six teams to be considered an official conference by the NCAA, and the playoff would will honor whatever the NCAA minimum requirement is. So technically, they could add two schools uh, for next year, and the champion would be in contention for one of the top six spots. Yeah. But the other thing is that the playoff, they're going to change everything, right? I mean, the, the yes. demise of the Pac-12 is going to end up leading to them changing the format once the TV contract ends and the SEC and Big Ten are going to eliminate, an, I would think, eliminate an at-large or a automatic bid and add an at-large spot. So there'd be seven at-large spots uh, so that they can they can grab those. Yeah, and I think ultimately uh, it, that all of this is to be determined um, I talked to Greg Byrne, the Alabama athletic director on my radio show. Fantastic interview. He talked about, you know, he was a guy who his dad was the AD, Bill Byrne, at Oregon. And he was a student at Arizona State at one time. He worked at Oregon State in Oregon and certainly was the AD at uh, at Arizona for a spell. Um, you know, he talked very uh, nostalgically about the Pac-12 and, you know, pointed to some of the Problems that happened in the Larry Scott era is as sort of certainly the beginning of the uh, the uh, the road to to this point. But he also so he's I, he's not a big fan of Larry Scott. Is not a fan saying? of Larry Scott. Nor is Chris Hill, as we know, the Utah, the former Utah AD. I mean, these were not people that were fond of his leadership style, and and they found it very difficult and challenging. But beyond that, I asked him what what the landscape's going to look like. How many teams? What will college football look like in a decade or 20 years? What do you think, Wilner? What's, what's, how many teams are playing for the championship of major college football 20 years from now? Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, I, I, I think that the best guess is that it's you still have the total number, something similar to the total number of teams there are now in the football bowl subdivision. So that's like 130. But within that, you have the English soccer type deal with the tiered system and relegation and promotion something like that makes sense to me uh, you could see two or three conferences that have like 24 schools uh, uh boy i don't know I, I just know that we're not done with realignment we're not done with consolidation around the sec and the big 10 it's just a matter of time the acc is next right i mean the pac-12 was a victim and this is something we talked about a lot the pac-12 was a victim here of having desirable schools. There's there's five schools out there that are basically would be above average values for the SEC and the Big Ten. It's Oregon, it's Washington, it's Notre Dame, and it's uh, Florida State and it's Clemson. And Notre Dame obviously is a different category, 
But the ACC and the Pac-12 in, in some ways are cursed with having schools that can be desirable by the two big conferences. Big 12 does not have that problem. They have, you know, the, they have solidarity in part because they don't have any schools left to be poached. So we'll see what happens. But I would have to think, you know, it's going to be a few years maybe, but the Big 10 and the SEC are going to be going after that Atlantic coast. Here is a question that has come up, uh, came up on my radio show. Oregon State and Oregon rivalry game every year in November. Washington State and Washington play the Apple Cup. So the Civil War and the Apple Cup in uh, up in the air at this point. And Oregon and Washington both say they would like to continue that rivalry game. They said it in their releases. But is it going to be a week three game that is squeezed in? Um, where does it fit? Um, you know, I'm getting a lot of fans at Washington State and Oregon State saying, you know, we don't want to play that game anymore. They're mad right now. But what happens to those rivalries? I don't know. The Big Ten's going to have to redo its schedule all over again after they just did it. Uh, great question. You also wonder if, you know, some of these leagues may decide uh, to play, especially with the West Coast deal, you know, to to play some a non-conference game or two later in the season because that's a way you can guarantee the schools that they don't that they're not going to have to travel, you know, uh, in November as much. So I don't know what what vibe are you getting? Are you getting any vibe on that inside from from Oregon Oregon State on how serious they are about? continuing the rivalry well the problem would be that oregon has already got non-conference games on the schedule that you know for the foreseeable future they had scheduled out some non-conference games so maybe they could replace some of those opponents and work oregon state in and then i think there's some bad feelings right now I and mean, i think everybody emotionally needs to cool off before that decision happens but scott barnes the athletic director at oregon state telling media in corvallis that that's to be determined which is uh, the nicest probably way that he could fashion that he's really upset and i think pat chun at washington state's got to be upset and jake dickert sounds heartbroken over the whole thing and and here comes football season wilner and so uh you know well, I wait, think, let me ask you yeah. one more thing too yeah. or a state of oregon's of oregon state's athletic department right they've got how does the the loss of revenue right and it won't start until the 24 25 academic year how does that fit with their stadium rebuild? Like, is this gonna is is that gonna just cripple them financially because of the the debt they've got to deal with? Scott Burns is telling media that the stadium is a revenue generator that it, it that its debt service is paid for by the stadium itself. So he doesn't sound concerned, at least in the short term, that you know that is going to be a, a, an upside down proposition. But I I just wonder if you're relegated to a less than conference. And you're not playing great opponents. Uh, how does that pencil out as you extend out and calculate your season ticket sales and your media rights revenue and, and whatnot? But he, you know, he said today that uh, the stadium is essentially a revenue generator. It pays for itself. That's how they sort of structured the debt on it. I think Washington State's in a much more difficult position with a hundred million dollars in debt and you know some financial issues and. You know, some real questions about where the media rights money is going to come from. Yeah. Well, and Cal's in a tough spot, too, for sure, financially, as always. So it's going to be uh, a real interesting few few months, I would guess. This may take a little while to play out. Um, you know, and we got to see who's – another thing I've been thinking about is 
the leadership vacuum, right? I mean, it, who's going to be in charge of this thing uh, over the next 12 months? And I think you can't look to anybody in the Pac-12 conference currently for that leadership because I just don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to exist as we know it. So I, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. And I think that would be a great follow-up episode to this one because right now I think people are just reeling. And I know as I spoke to people after the meeting that, you know, Oregon, they expected Oregon to come in. They expected that they would, the expectation was that they were going to walk out of their locked arms singing Kumbaya and have a media rights deal done. And instead of that, they walked out fractured. I mean, it just, I think, blindsided some of the presidents and left them, uh, you know, sort of with a gut punch feeling just like the USC-UCLA defection and, and in some cases worse. Yeah, the other piece that I wanted to make sure we discuss at least briefly is what I thought was a strategic mistake from the start, which was not expanding first. The whole time it was we're going to do our media deal, then we're going to expand. If they had expanded first, this might look a little different. They have, and and that's going back, what, five years. They have, the presidents repeatedly declined to expand most egregiously summer of 2021, right? And when the Big 12 was rocking uh, and and for all their, their reasons, the presidential reasons declined to expand this conference would look a lot different. There would still be a conference, right? If they had taken any of these opportunities to expand, including if they had added, you know, San Diego State and SMU or whoever else last fall, it might be a little bit different now. But uh, again, just I just keep get keep thinking about a decades worth of mistakes, and they just all and the inability to correct the course, right? Some of the mistakes repeated over and over. Inability it, just come, to it comes the back course. to leadership. It's just leadership. It it's leadership. It does. It's leadership. It's leadership, and and that's why we started today. And I say, can you really be mad at Oregon? I don't like I, I get no. around like, yeah, I can be I can lament the loss of tradition, rivalries and all that stuff. But I ultimately have to look at leadership and go, where was it? Where was it when this conference needed it? Right. And who and who is the victim? It's Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford and Cal. And you could argue Stanford and Cal are not in position. We're not in position to be in the Big Ten to get Big Ten offers because of their self-inflicted wounds and especially competitively on the field. But God, I, and I know I started on this at the beginning of the episode, but the Oregon State and Washington State thing just makes my stomach crawl, turn, just terrible. It's awful and I feel bad for those fan bases, but we'll try to figure out what's next for them. We've got a college football season to talk about. This is going to be a fascinating coming up. Appreciate everybody listening to this emergency episode of Canzano and Wilner, the podcast. Uh, I am John Canzano. You can read me at johnconzano.com, John Wilner, pac12hotline.com. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody.